This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, good morning and welcome to The Garden Show. This is Dean Holland, uh, the, uh, the newest little seedling in, the, uh, in uh, Charlie Dobbin's big garden of life. And <laughs> welcome to the show, Charlie. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm well. <laughs> I, well. I like that. That's a good visual. My newest little <laughs> seedling in my big garden of life. Well, that's that's my job is to paint the picture, right? <laughs> I I have to tell you, I almost named I almost name dropped uh, about oh. forty eight hours ago. I almost and then I thought, oh, I could text her too, you know, because <laughs> I I was standing in line and I could hear ahead of me. I could hear a couple of people talking about burlap, and uh, they said, oh, well. I don't know the use of this burlap. I mean, like, what good would it do me if I were wrapped in burlap out in this blowing cold? <laughs> and and I was going to sort of give my two cents and say, well, you know, I do the garden show with Charlie Bob and I could always ask her. And then I just decided to keep my mouth quiet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we can talk about burlap in a couple of minutes. I okay. I do want to make one announcement. Uh, I did mention it last week, but I want to mention it again, and that's the Agent Court Garden Club. They are holding their December, <clears throat> excuse me, December meeting this Monday on the thirteenth of December. It's a Zoom meeting at seven p.m. Everybody is welcome. The Agent Court Garden Club is a very friendly group. They just they love having fun people. It's a social, educational, used to be a good eating opportunity to go to the the Asian Court Garden Club. So if you'd like to uh, listen to Dave Chapman talking about Niagara Falls, weather, nature, putting it all together for us, particularly when we have weather like this in December, uh, just send a quick email to Cheryl.Penner. So Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L dot P-E-N-N-E-R dot Penner at Hotmail.com, and she'll send you the Zoom link. Okay, well, you know what? I I love the sound of it. If, if there's food to eat, I'm I'm certainly in. <laughs> it's, the, it's the best thing about going to Hort Society meetings. You get the yeah. best, the all homemade goodies just to die for. Oh, listen. Hey, I got to get those numbers that we would love yeah. if you would give us a call. With any questions you have about gardening, and uh, if you're in Toronto, you can use 416-360-0740 or anywhere in the province of Ontario. It's a toll-free call, 1-866-740-4740. We'd love you to call early, call often, and please, one question per call, okay? And of course, you need to let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller, because if you are, then we give you your delightful... Garden wings, right? Um, <laughs> and of course, why, why would you want garden wings anyway? I mean, other than to just fly around and look down on your garden and just get a whole different perspective, right? Well, I just, it figuratively, it sort of feels like if you get your garden wings, you can flutter around Charlie Dobbin's Garden of Life. So, <laughs> that too. <laughs> that as well. So, so, can, so 
Now, my thing on burlap before we yes. go to break is yes. that my, I, in my humble, you know, my limited knowledge about this, I thought that it was not so much about keeping them warm. I thought it was more about keeping the, the boughs of the bushes sort of up and neat and so that the snow didn't weigh them down and disform them. Is that is that correct? That can be true, uh, particularly in the case of uh, old cedar plants, you know, cedar hedges, etc. Uh, junipers, some of the one in particular called skyrocket, are very famous for upright uh, branches. And of course, all we need is heavy snow or an ice storm and all those vertically, uh, you know, pointing up to the sky branches peel down like a banana. So okay. yes. And, but you know what, you can use burlap on a juniper, but junipers are pretty tough. So even just string tied around, not too tight. <clears throat> All you're trying to do is hold those branches in, in place. But burlap is pretty wonderful when it comes to protecting from salt uh, spray from the road and from sun. And cause the sun will really dry out evergreens midwinter when the ground is frozen, but the sun is shining. So burlap just helps with a certain amount of protection that way. Okay, great. So uh, we are going to uh, we're going to go to a break now, and then we'll come back and we'll ha- we'll take some callers. Okay. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, and we are back. Yeah, and I'm going to give out those phone numbers again, Charlie. Uh, Again, we'd love for you to give us a call anywhere in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or anywhere in the province of Ontario. And we certainly get a lot of callers from throughout Ontario. And that's 1-866-740-4740. Okay, there was something going on about a book, Charlie, that you wanted to tell me. Is that right? Well, you know, it's the time of year when we're kind of, some of us might be struggling a bit looking for great presents to give our friends and family. And if you've got a a gardener in your family who you'd like to give a nice book to, I mean, there's lots of great books out there, beautiful, beautiful books, but this one is called Nature's Best Hope. This was sent to me, this sort of a heads up was sent to me by a woman named Angela Grella last January. So she just said that she was reading this book, Nature's Best Hope by Douglas W. Tallamy. So T-A-L-L-A-M-Y. And he's got a philosophical approach of the importance of connectivity and that conservation starts in our own backyards. Uh, You know, he writes about ecologically enriched biological corridors to support entire life cycles of local biodiversity. And that's such a, such a, a, an important word, biodiversity. Uh, I'm certainly hearing it every day now, whether it's to do with insects, well, it's to do biodiversity is, the animal life, the insect life, the plant life, it's the importance of diversity. So um, this gentleman, Douglas Tallamy, W. Tallamy, is a professor of entomology and wildlife ecology at the University of Delaware. And so he has some really, really good tips on ways that we in our own yards can support life, the biodiversity, and those important corridors, those those corridors that will support pollinators, uh, so insects, but also wildlife, plant life, etc. So I, I really recommend this book, which, like I say, was highly recommended to me by Angela Grella last January. So thanks for that, Angela. Well, that sounds like a great gift. I have a gift for you. I have a first-time caller on the line. How's that? Woo! 
We are going to go to Carol in Niagara Falls. How are you this morning, Carol? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I am well, and I have a gift for you, Carol. I get to give you your garden wings. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Carol. I have a Christmas cactus that was just gorgeous, just full of little buds. And then one day I looked, all the buds were on the floor. It never bloomed. They just fell off before they opened. Yes. Okay, so uh, had you moved that plant? Well, it, I had uh, put it in the dark and in the light for the recommended times, and then I had put it in my uh, in front of my uh, sliding glass door. And, hmm. it was, and it was so when you put it in front of the sliding glass door, that's when the buds fell. Yeah. And was anybody going in and out of the sliding glass door? No, no. Uh, is it possible there's a hot air duct blowing anywhere close to that plant? You know, the the, the heat vent? No. No. Okay, good. No heat vent there. Can... Okay. Um, is it a very old cactus? Is it one you've had for a very long time? Uh, no, my daughter gave it to me about three years ago. Mm. Okay, but so that is a bit of a puzzle. It's re- very it's, big. It's, pardon? It's gotten very big. Yeah, is that right? Well, mm-hmm. okay, so the just so everybody understands, like Christmas cactus, they are a cactus, but they're a form of a of a forest cactus, so they're not all prickly. So they, and the leaves are flat. They're almost like we call them scales. And then the little flower buds form on the tips. So given the right conditions, those little buds will enlarge, and you'll get these massive flowers sort of drooping off the tips of the Christmas cactus. The older varieties of Christmas cactus, this is kind of mind-boggling if you ask me, they do not like to be moved once they are in bud because the the buds, the whole plant is going to respond to the light, right? So now when when you turn it or you move it into a bright spot, everything moves, like literally moves towards the light. And in the process of doing that, the buds knock, get knocked off because the older varieties, the buds were unable to swivel. They don't have that universal joint that swivels the way the newer varieties do. So I'm just wondering if it could be something like that, that it was just that the plant responded to that new location, tried to swivel those buds, and they all dropped off as a result. Oh, I know. Sounds weird, but that that weird. Uh, I know. So so, if anybody else has a, what you didn't. What about water? You didn't give it a whole bunch of water. It wasn't sitting in water, was it? No, I always check to see that it's not sitting in water, and I wait till it's dry, and oh, then okay. I water it. Yeah. Well, yeah. The fact that you got it to set all those buds sounds like you're doing something right. You know what you're doing there. Oh, so, I got beautiful um, buds and a couple of actually did bloom, but the rest, mm. they were, I looked down on the floor, and there they all were on the floor. Yeah. Well, I do, and temp- nobody goes buy it. Yeah, yeah, it's not, and sometimes temperature, they don't like the heat, so they'll tend to really, you know, bud out very, very quickly when it's hot. Um, tell you what, if anybody's listening who has a suggestion, who wants to call in or send an email, love to hear your thoughts. In the meantime, I'll double check if I can get any more information here, so stay tuned. But at this point, that's my best suggestion. So just don't worry, like, leave it where it is. Uh, water as necessary, uh, it's very likely to set more buds. 
Oh, good. I hope so. Thank okay. you so very okay. much, Charlie. You're, you're welcome. Thanks for calling. Thank Great. You. Thanks, very Carol. Good. Yeah. Okay, uh, Charlie. We're going to. We have more calls on the line, but we do have to take a quick break. Okay, so we will be right back. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, we are back, and I got another gift for you, Charlie. Got another first-time caller. I've got Lynn on the line from Toronto. How are you, Lynn? I'm well, thank you. How about you? I'm really well, actually, really Good. well. And I uh, got your garden wings for you. Oh, thank you. you hey, welcome, welcome to the show, Lynn. Thank you, Charlie. Um, could you please explain the difference between Asiatic and Oriental lilies? Mm. And... Um, do either of them grow grow well in a, a, like a bright shade? Bright shade, so bright, like lots of indirect light under trees, or yeah, they're under trees, um, mm-hmm. but they're not heavily in the shade. It's, um, it's not. It's not really part shade. It's definitely shade, but they okay, don't so they... really. They don't really get any direct sun at all. Yeah, they would definitely be better with direct sun. They are, any of the lilies, like real true lilies or lilium, are always going to be happier where they get some direct sun, preferably, believe it or not, as much as six hours of direct sun every day. That is optimal for lilies. Um, They also, importantly, need a well-drained soil. So if the soil is not well-drained and it's a soggy soil, uh, they tend to rot. Mm-hmm. So we've always got to find that, you know, well-drained soil, lots of light to really be successful with lilies. And the, um, what was I going to say, the, the issue that many people struggle with now with lilies is an insect called a lily leaf beetle. Oh. And, uh, and that is a little red, very bright, very obvious insect that just annihilates the lilies, eats every part, eats the leaves, eats the flowers, eats the buds before they can open. Um, so it's a frustrating insect. And even, so even daylilies? No, because oh, daylilies okay. are not lilies. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but that's why we like the real names, like the proper names on plants, because we call them daylilies because the flowers are lily-like and they last for one day. Right. So they're called daylilies as a common name, but their real name is hemerocallus versus lilies, which have those beautiful lily flowers that last for days yeah. and are properly called lilium and grow from a, bu- a bulb as okay. opposed to a um, bunch of roots. So, um, and you know, I just quickly off the top of my head, oriental versus asiatic. Uh, to to really come up with uh, so you uh, when I think of because I don't have all this information in my brain at this moment um, Oriental lilies I think of as being they have really big flowers um, they tend to be uh, some of them are very fragrant like stargazer lilies are Oriental lilies even the lilies we grow at Easter I believe fit into the Oriental lily category. Mm-hmm. Versus Asiatic lilies are smaller flowers. They tend to be multi-flowers on one stem. 
and they come in an absolute amazing amount of colors. Think of a tiger lily. Remember the traditional tiger lilies with the spots? Yeah. And yeah. The, the petals curl backwards. Those are an example of an Asiatic lily. But, but like I said, I don't have all – like I have to look it up to give you more sort of botanical differences between them if you're interested. Okay. No, I, I'm, I imagine I can look it up online. It just uh, – there are so many <laughs> – so many different opinions online and some people say oh yes you can grow them in the shade absolutely and others say um, no full sun and it's uh it's complicated well well, the thing is i mean you there's no harm in trying right you never know the spot you're thinking of might have enough indirect brightness that the lilies will do fine i think of asiatics as a smaller plant and a plant that's more likely to survive in a less bright location than an oriental lily Okay, um, that's good. And, and and in the worst case, you can always move them. Like it's not the once they grow, that you enjoy their flowers. The flowers are finished. You let the green leaves do their thing, and by the end of July, it, the whole plant has gone dormant. So you cut off all the brown dormant stuff, and at that point, you could dig up those bulbs and move them somewhere else if you wanted. So um, you know, I'd, I'd say try. Like you don't know uh, until you try how uh, how things will work out. Some plants are amazing. What they'll they'll uh, form the conditions that they'll perform in. Well, I'm I'm going to give it a try. All right, okay. let us Thank know how that works. Thank you very much for your advice. My pleasure. Okay. Great. Thanks for the call, in. Um, Charlie, I got a quick email here. This is from Ingrid. Uh, she writes, she says, love your show. I've gotten good advice and tips regarding my houseplants. She has a, oh, I'm going to struggle here, bougainvillea? Yeah, close. Yeah, uh, uh, bloomed beautifully on the balcony, but the leaves are now getting brown and crispy. Help. Also, can I prune it to shape and is now a good time? Uh, okay, so I just walked away. Oh, here it is. Sorry about that. Sorry, I'm back. I just walked away. Oh, and she also says, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Oh, that's good to know. Thank you. And Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, Bougainvillea is a beautiful, beautiful tropical plant that blooms, you know, with gorgeous blooms, uh, and particularly in the summer. Oh, where'd it go? Uh, funny, I have my favorite book in the whole world that's falling apart, and it's just such a great go-to book when it comes to some of the specialty um, tropicals. Uh, why those leaves are turning brown is likely because it's got something going on with hot or cold air or too much water. I mean, that's always going to be the problem, right? Too much water. So here we go. Is that something? Do people typically overwater their plants? Is that a, a common mistake? Okay, so what people do is they don't realize that in the winter, the light levels have dropped dramatically and plant growth also drops dramatically and water use drops dramatically. So that's what people don't realize. So they tend to kind of, a lot of people water on the calendar, which is not optimal. You water when a plant needs water, not every Sunday. So people get into a routine through the summer of watering every Sunday, and now it's November, December, and they're continuing to water on that same schedule, and the plant ends up overwatered in the winter or underwatered in the summer, one or the other, right? It's, it's, it's never, plants are not consistent with their water needs. And of course, when you're moving plants from outside, probably it was out in a sunny location, it was blooming beautifully on the balcony, then it comes into the house. 
light levels drop, humidity drops, temperature increases because it's probably hot and dry inside the apartment and brown crispy leaves. So do what you can. Like the secrets of success with bougainvillea is it likes it warm in the summer, but it prefers it cool in the winter. So cooler than room temperature, if possible, like, you know, 65 Fahrenheit kind of cool, uh, light sunniest spot available or supplemental light. Get it, get a hold of a little grow light if necessary. Keep um, in the in the spring and summer. Keep the soil moist, but almost dry in the winter. So very much of a feel that soil, that media in the pot. Do not water if you feel moisture on the surface. It's only when that soil starts to be less spongy that we consider watering it. So it might be two weeks between waterings. Who knows? Um, mist, mist, and more mist. Keep the humidity as high as you can. Uh, pebble tray, I mentioned that last week. The idea of a you know, a cookie sheet or a plastic tray, gravel in the bottom, plant sits on top of the gravel, water is always in the gravel. So you always have that water evaporating around the plant that is sitting on the gravel above the water. And uh, and, and otherwise, uh, let it be. Don't fertilize. Don't expect, don't expect anything fancy to happen in the winter. These plants just need to hunker down, get through the winter, and then you'll be amazed if you can get them through the winter by late February, you're going to see all kinds of new growth starting to sprout. And that's when you'll start thinking about pruning and fertilizing and all the other things in preparation for the next season. But for now, it's just get them through and let them dictate when they need water, always keep the humidity up and keep the light levels up and the temperatures down. Keeping the faith. Sounds good. Uh, <laughs> we have another caller on the line uh, going to North York this time. We have Maureen. Maureen, how are you this morning? Oh, good, good morning, uh, Charlie. Good morning. Good morning, Dean. Good morning, Maureen. Um, okay. As you know, I've mentioned before, I'm good at gardening except when it comes to the poinsettia. I always have trouble, and it looks like I may have killed one again, so <laughs> I'd like some help. Um, I, um, I, I didn't realize it was actually getting some heat from the heat vent, so I moved it, and I gave it a good watering, and I think I watered it too much. Now all the bottom leaves are curled up. Can I save it? Yeah, likely. Bottom leaves are the older leaves, so when a plant drops its oldest leaves... It's not, uh, it's not a, the end of the world. It's the t- growing tips that matter because that's where your new growth comes from. Make yeah, sure it's not sitting in any water. Work. Make sure it's not in any drafts whatsoever. No hot drafts, no cold drafts, no windows, no doors, no heat vents. Uh, not, not on top of a television because there's you know heat. Mind you, the new televisions, they're so thin you wouldn't do that. But in the old days when we had those big fat TVs, there was a lot of heat that came <laughs> off of them. So keep your poinsettia away from any of those sources of hot or cold um, and never let it sit in water. And for now, feel that soil. Don't water again until, again, it really starts to feel dry on the surface. It'll still have some sponginess to the media, but don't water until the surface feels dry. And yeah, good garden hygiene, clean up any fallen leaves. Uh, Like I said, it's not that unusual for the older leaves to drop. It might not look quite as pretty and full as it was looking, but still, you know, there's nothing wrong. It'll still have all the beautiful color up on top. Yeah, it has the color on top. A a couple of the ones on top have also dried up. Should I fertilize it? 
Uh, you could, uh, but only once, and do not over-fertilize. So follow the instructions on the package that you're using. Make sure that, if anything, you err on the side of less fertilizer and more water in your mix when you make the mix. So better to have a, a lighter uh, fertilizer version going at, in next time you're watering than too much. Because remember, fertilizer can be toxic if we give too much. Okay, I will do that. And I All want right. to wish you, Charlie, a Merry Christmas. And, and your new seedling, Dean, a Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Maureen. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Maureen. Good to hear from you. Okay, bye for now. Bye-bye. Now, I, I have to say, Maureen, Maureen's, uh, well, the, the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, are you familiar with that, uh, Charlie? Of course. Yes, you're, we're of a vintage that we uh, we know that special. That that premiered this past week back in 1965, and I have to say that Maureen's description of her poinsettia reminded me vaguely of Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. There you go. And uh, I think so, I saw that premiere, just so you know. You weren't even born then, but I no, saw I was that not. Yeah, I came along a couple of years later. So, But, uh, yeah, it's yeah. – uh, it's and that show almost didn't make it on the air for a few reasons. But because they, the producers or the the, uh, the television execs didn't think that anybody be, would be interested in it. <laughs> Watch it. Boy, were they wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We've got uh, – we have time to put in another caller before we go to our next break for sure. Karen from Toronto. How are you this morning, Karen? Good morning, Dean. I uh, just wanted to say uh, how much we love your Radio Limelight show, by the way. Uh, we found you oh, this great. summer, and we're so happy uh, that you're now on Zoomer. So Fabulous. I am delighted to be here as well, and thank you so, so much. You're That's, welcome. Uh, I and love my morning, Sunday nights, Charlie. and I, and I oh, love my Saturday Dean. mornings with Charlie Dobbin. <laughs> Absolutely. Good morning, uh, Charlie. I, I just wanted to add a little bit further to the Christmas cactus question. Mm-hmm. I bought a brand new one, and I, too, have lost every bloom on it. It is uh, sitting on a west windowsill, and I'm wondering if it maybe shouldn't be on um, the actual windowsill. Should it just be near the light, and should I fertilize it? Yes. Well, okay, you just got it, like, in the last week or so? Uh, two weeks ago. Okay. Because remember, when you get plants, brand new plants, that have come out of a greenhouse, they have been raised in optimal conditions. So they have been well fertilized. They've had the proper watering, the pro- lots of light, etc. So they should be in, you know, peak condition when you get them. I probably wouldn't rush to fertilize for an- yet. I would wait another yeah, two weeks anyway before I fertilized. And as I said to Maureen, better to err on the side of under-fertilizing than over-fertilizing. But the rule of thumb is when a plant is actively growing or actively blooming, it is appropriate to support that growth with fertilizer. So that's why it, it to fertilize a poinsettia or to fertilize a Christmas cactus at this time of year makes sense because they are actively growing and, and blooming and, and, you know, providing lots of, you know, aesthetic value in our, in our homes versus, uh, you know, something else that isn't doing such active growth, you know, another indoor plant. Um, so when I did uh, a quick look here because you're right after i talked to carol who was our first caller from niagara falls i thought you know why 
Why? What am I missing here? And it, it is just as I said, it's either the soil is too wet or too dry, and that will cause bud drop. Um, plants also need to be kept in a cool temperature, preferably, you know, room temperature or cooler. And of course, making sure that there are no drafts, no hot drafts. Actually, they'll handle a cool draft better than they'll handle handle a hot draft. Um, they're not. They don't need a lot of. Like, I wouldn't mist the plants necessarily, but I find that if you group your plants together, so you've got little groupings of pots in various parts of your house. They share each other's humidity, and you'll often have a better success just because there'll be a they'll create their own little microclimate uh, as the plants are together, uh, in the sense that the humidity levels will be higher, and that can make a difference as well. Okay, and the fact that um, like it's on the windowsill, so should I be taking it in and out at night? Like, is that shocking it, or should I just leave it? No, I I like a windowsill location for Christmas cactus. The one thing is that if the leaves, the green scales or leaves of the plant are touching the glass of the window and it gets really cold outside, you Mm -hmm. will get some frosting on the plant. It it will kill the leaves. won't kill the plant, but it will kill the leaves because they do like a cool spot. So window ledges are perfect. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for taking my call and Merry Christmas to both of you and all the best to your families for the new year. Great. And to yours. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, talking about cool temperatures, I don't see any cool temperatures coming whatsoever. In no. It's no, of very- course, I live up in ski hunt country here, right? And, uh, like, they opened the hills yesterday officially, but I... It's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a chore and a half to try and keep them in decent shape with these. Uh, I don't think we're going down to zero till next weekend. Right, and you are you getting rain in your forecast as well today? We are. Like- the, the rain warning was called off, but we are getting a bit of rain. Yeah, um, Charlie. Before we go to break, uh, which is really quick, there, I did have another email question also about. Uh, a Christmas cactus, somebody that has a really old one. Uh, she hasn't been able to get it to bloom for several years. She gave it a trim about five years ago. Nothing yet. She wonders if there's still hope. And then she finishes off by saying, OMG, I just had a closer look and there might be a couple of buds. And she's wondering if she should trim it back again. So, no. you know. Okay. So that's Marilyn who said that. Marilyn. Yeah, thanks, Marilyn. Yeah. No, 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 no. If you're starting to see buds, no trimming. So just like with our outdoor flowering shrubs, we do our um, pruning after they flower. It's the same with your Christmas cactus. If you're going to do any pruning on it, prune it after it flowers. So assuming it's flowering now, we would be pruning our uh, Christmas cactus in January, maybe February, maybe even March, but not after that. And to encourage buds in the future, I find putting the Christmas cactus outside for the summer leaving it outside until November anyway, so that it does get some nice cool nights. It does maybe get a light frost. And when they come in, they are covered in buds. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, We have to go to a break, but I have more callers on the line. And uh, so, but uh, do give us a call 416-360-0740 or anywhere in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. We will be right back. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
Okay, Charlie, got to keep this train moving because, my goodness, we have callers on the line, a bunch of first-timers as well. But before that, uh, if you wish to email a question to Charlie, the email is c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. Okay, so you can do that morning, noon, or night, and we will do our best to get to it. Uh, Right now, I've got Pauline on the line, and Pauline is a first-time caller from Toronto. How are you, Pauline? Hi, I'm good, thank you for taking my call. Got your wings. There you go, Pauline. (laughs) Hi. That that bell's busy this morning. (laughs) Get some exercise, (laughs) Dean. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I was wondering if there's any way I can grow garlic in the winter here. I I don't have a yard. I only have a a second floor deck. Mm, Second floor deck. What direction does your deck face? It faces east. Well, you're a little late, though. Again, it's been such a mild fall and winter so far. Potentially, you could. Generally, we get our garlic in the ground by the middle of October in in the Toronto GTA area. And uh, obviously, underground is more optimal than in a con- in a pot or a container just because it is colder above ground than it is underground but if you have do you have any large pots out on your um second floor terrace right now well i do have one that's about uh it's probably about a foot and a half wide but it's like two feet deep at least two feet yeah that could work and it's got soil like potting mix in it or some kind of soil in it yeah and it's got drainage. Yeah, I put rocks okay, in the drain- bottom. Yeah, it, there's holes, Whoa. and then I put a bunch of rocks. Okay, so the, but there are holes. Okay, because rocks are okay, but holes are important. All right, so what I would do, I mean, if do you have some garlic that you'd like to plant, or is that something you'd have to go out and buy? Um, I'd probably buy a, a new bulb. My this one's getting a little older. Sometimes right. buy them; and they're not that quite fresh. Right, no, no, you need something very fresh, very firm, and you need to look closely when you're buying garlic at a grocery store, see where it ha- was grown, where it came from. Yeah. Do not yeah. even attempt to grow garlic that was grown in China. China has a huge garlic uh, crop, like billions and billions of bulbs are shipped to North America from China every year, So, but they will not grow. So don't waste your time trying to uh, plant uh, Chinese garlic. But if I you can find some garlic that's Ontario grown or from Ontario, and mm-hmm. it's firm, it's in good condition, then yeah, just take it home, <clears throat> break the cloves apart. So you've got all the individual, uh, like the big bulb is made up of little cloves, tear all those little cloves off, keep the paper around the cloves if you can, and get them down into the ground, pointy end up, uh, down just a couple inches down, so that the pointy top of the ball of the clove is about, um, if it can be two inches below the surface, that would be optimal. And um, yeah, hope, crush fingers. Watch for green oh. leaves coming up in the spring. And of course, you harvest in July. Do I need to uh, wrap it in any cloth no i believe it alone Uh, as long as you've got drainage and you've got soil that drains it's not just a a muddy mass because the garlic will rot if it's if it's just too wet of a situation but um Mm -hmm. i'm sure it'll be fine if you've got those drainage holes and you've got reasonably good soil in the container the size sounds good uh why not give it a try right okay that's great i thought it would freeze so i was just wondering if there were any tricks to that so that's Great. 
It may freeze if we get cold enough. It may freeze, but garlic is pretty tough. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so, okay, thanks so much, Pauline. <laughs> love okay, it. I've got uh, Bill on the line. Bill, going to Bill is in Pickering. How are you today, sir? <laughs> Pardon me. I'm well, thank you. And sounds like you guys are doing really well. Busy this morning. Thanks. It is busy this morning, oh, yeah. yeah. I have an amaryllis question. <clears throat> um, it's either a year or two years old. It was six to eight weeks in the dark. It's got two leaves now that are about 16 to 18 inches tall. They're pale. I watered it well last Wednesday, and I'm wondering, um, should, I, should I fertilize it? Uh, okay, so here's my big question. Is it still in the dark, or have you moved it into the light? I pulled it upstairs uh, today. It was it. a couple of weeks ago. It, it started to grow, so I put it out in the light, and then I read on the on the, the web said don't until it's got good strong leaves and all of that. So it was been kind of in a darkish area, but the <laughs> leaves are pale and they're they're looking good. Okay, Other than that. so the pale indicates insufficient light. So you need to get that plant, that pot into a bright window, preferably southern or western window. Mm -hmm. uh, I would, okay, so if you felt the bulb right now, because the bulb is sticking up out of the surface of the, the soil, uh, how does it feel? Probably feels quite hard, quite firm, quite solid. Yes, it's or, in sand, the original stuff that it came in. It's, uh, it's not hard, hard, it's, but it's not soft. Okay, so but it's is it really like, sand? Uh, uh, rare steak. <laughs> really? What? Um, tell me, is it really like sand? Sand like beach sand? No, it was in the sand that it came in. Oh, so it came in that pot. Yes. All right, and you have not fertilized it at all last summer. No, I didn't. Okay, so the time to fertilize amaryllis and any of our bulb plants is right after they flower. So the uh, the best time to fertilize amaryllis would have been, la I assume it flowered last Christmas or last winter. Yeah, so it's quite well, two or three blooms uh, over a yes. period of, uh, you know, several weeks. Great, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you let it grow with all the green leaves after that. Yes. So it was a green, it was a green plant all spring, and did you put it out for the summer, and it was a green plant all summer? No, it was in a uh, uh, in a window area with lots of light over the over the summer, and then uh, come last fall, um, you put it the leaves away. were starting to look kind of poorly, so we cut them off and then put it in a cool uh, fruit cellar sort of place. Okay, so because you haven't fertilized, uh, but it did have that growing on period, which is important. Then I what I would suggest is. Um, that you do give it some fertilizer now, but don't consider this the right time to fertilize. In the future, the only time you'll fertilize your amaryllis will be through the spring and the summer, once a month, and then you'll stop any fertilizer whatsoever by July. And okay. you'll let that plant, those plants, or the, the green leaves slowly but surely die down, go into the dark, and then come out in time for Christmas. So, But because you haven't provided any nutrient, and if the soil really is a sandy soil, oh, it will have green. no fertility. Yes, that's yes, that's what I'm concerned about. The sand yeah. is very gritty, just like sand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so a flowering plant fertilizer now, once... 
is and, and keep it in that getting into the brightest spot you can be careful you know to own, only water when it's dry turn the plant 180 degrees every day or two so that you're getting balanced growth and cross your fingers that some flowers will come if they don't don't worry about it grow it as a green plant this year and then get ready to put it away next summer and try again i I've, I've figured out how to get amaryllis to bloom, I think, and there's no consistency necessarily to get them to bloom exactly when you want them to. So you sort of have to work with the plants. <laughs> okay. Now, okay. you said uh, a, a, a flower, a blo- a flower uh, yeah. blooming uh, for, uh, fertilizer. Uh, what numbers would you suggest? I love 15, 30, 15, uh, but you might find that there, you, you'll use something else, like a bloom's plus or something like that okay got to run there uh question we have to go to a quick break charlie and then we've got another caller on the line okay okay fur and feathers and bugs of all size there's more going on in the garden than you realize should small creatures become a big problem then you've got the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio we sure do have the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, and we also have a couple of callers on the line. We're going to try and squeeze them in. Susan from Mississauga, how are you today? And you are a first-time caller. Yes, I am. Thank you very much. You're um, welcome. I just would like to uh, share my experience with uh, bougainvilleas. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been bringing mine in for the last five years, and the leaves always dry up and drop off. It complete loses every single leaf on it till it just looks like sticks, and then brand new leaves grow right back in again. So uh, they don't have to worry about their leaves dropping. And also, as to what Charlie said, when the I let the soil dry almost just like a cactus. When it's dry, 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 then I give it a good soaking. Excellent. Good good information. I hope Ingrid is listening. She was the one who sent the email. Fabulous. Thank you so much for that, Susan. Appreciate you calling in. Thank you. And I this is my Saturday. Listening to the garden show is the highlight of my day. <laughs> thank you very <laughs> much. Thank you. That's great. And thank okay. you, Chip. Yeah. So uh, so indeed it is December, but now we get to speak to June on the line. And we've got her calling from Bradford and June. Welcome to the show. You're a first-time caller as well, aren't you? I sure am. Okay. And there you go. My Good goodness, morning. this, this bell has had such a workout a this morning. It's a privilege talking to you. <laughs> you have been our mainstay all the way through COVID. The reason for my call is to say to other listeners, I found Frank Proctor at 10 o'clock at night. Makes me cry because I really miss him. And there's a show on at 10. So if you want to hear his voice, tune in then. And also, if he's on anywhere else, could the uh, listeners share? Love your show. Yeah. Merry Christmas. That's Thank it. you. You too. Yeah, Thanks, June. Frank is um, hosting or uh, can be heard hosting Theater of the Mind. Theater of the time. Mind. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Not sure yeah. what day that is. Is it Saturday night? I think she's right. Yeah, I think it's Saturday at around ten. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think that's all that Frank's doing these days. But he's, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's. Uh, well, you can still hear that wonderful, lovely yeah. Frank Proctor voice, the dulcet um, tones. Yes, on the theater of the mind. Absolutely. Um, I yeah. want to do a, a real quick shout out. You know, it, because of the World Wide Web, as it were. Um, one of the great things is that you can tune in and listen to show. You can listen to the show anywhere. 
around the globe. And um, I had I, my oldest child is uh, is spending Christmas in England this year, and her and her uh, her boyfriend Liam are listening to the show today. Oh my! Well, yeah. big shout out to them. Yeah. And so she was all about the garlic lace. She, my daughter Ainsley is a huge garlic lover. And so she, uh, she uh, texted me a little shout out. I think it was to, was it Pauline? I think he was asking about all the garlic. So Yeah, yeah, Pauline, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, that's fun. And I, I was going to say, isn't it like three in the morning there? But no, I guess it's the other way around. No, yeah, they're about, uh, they're about seven hours ahead of us. Right, know. right. So it's the middle of the afternoon. Well, yeah. good for them. And I'm sure you miss her. Your first Christmas away from one of your kids. Yeah, it's going to be the first Christmas that... Uh, um, Gail and I have without all the four kids here, but uh, but we're happy that she's there and uh, she's uh, going to connect with some uh, relatives of mine who uh, on my dad's side who live over there as well. So yeah, it's going to I think it's going to be fun for her. Nice, yeah. It's always good to change it up on occasion. I think. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. I'm. I today on my list of things to do is to actually decorate my tree. <laughs> we got a tree. Mm-hmm. It is currently in a pail in the garage. So it needs to come inside into its tree stand. And I, uh, it takes me a couple hours, but I put, you know, thousands of lights on my tree. And then that's yeah. I pretty much stand back and admire it from that point. Well, I think you and I are in the same kind of situation because I think we may be doing a similar thing today. We also got our tree uh, last Friday and it's been in a bucket as well. So uh, uh, in a bucket of water. So. Well, you know, because I didn't want to go out today. Who wants to get a tree in the rain? Yeah, uh, fair enough. I, we picked it up day before yesterday when there was some snow on the ground, which made it a little more fun, a little more Christmassy anyway. Yeah. Well, hey, and we, yeah, yeah. I guess that brings us to the end. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again. Yeah. I think, I'll, <laughs> I think we probably do it again next week. Good idea. Thanks, Carlos. Couldn't do any of this without his technical support. Great callers, good tips, good questions. Keep them coming. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.